If I say Lent, what do you think of? Now, if you're uh, not thinking about the church, you probably think about the reason why all your tools are missing or your books are gone, because you lent them to somebody. But we're not talking about that kind of Lent. We're talking about Lent in the church. So, so what kinds of things come to mind when we think about Lent in the church? Anybody? Uh, what's something that comes to your mind about Lent? Okay, fish fries. And on what day? Friday, okay. Anything else? What, what do you think of it when you think of Lent? Okay, special services like on Wednesday night, like we had this last Wednesday. What, did somebody say something over here? Okay, Easter, right? The time up leading up to Easter? Okay, fasting from something you love, or, or as we say, giving something up, Right? Okay, those are all kinds of things we think of as Lent. Uh, purple is the color of Lent, so maybe you think of that, uh, the color, or maybe you think of ashes from Ash Wednesday, um, or maybe you think of the occasional sad and mournful hymn that seems to pop up during the, the Lenten season. The church's Lent comes from an old English word which means lengthen. As in the days are getting longer, spring is on its way, and with it, Easter. Lent goes back to the ancient church's preparation for Easter. Now, some Christian traditions really emphasize Lent. The whole fish fries on Friday, uh, giving things up, all of those kinds of uh, things. Other churches uh, treat it just like any other time of the year. And the Methodist churches tend to, to fall somewhere in between. We recognize Lent. Um, we have some special things for Lent. Maybe uh, some of you are, are even giving something up, fasting from something. Uh, we are typically kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, we don't have Friday fish fries, though, unless, uh, unless you like fish. Uh, we don't have any requirements for things like that. So... So that's what Lent is, but what is Lent for? That's the question. What are we supposed to be doing in these 40 days before Easter? As I've observed, people tend to approach Lent from two extremes. On the one side are those who seem to think that the purpose of Lent is to beat ourselves up, you know, to wallow in our sinfulness and mortality, they want to have a perfectly awful Lent. You know, Lent starts with Ash Wednesday, and Ash Wednesday is about our mortality and about our sinfulness. Repenting by putting ashes on our, on our heads is, is an ancient biblical practice, and so are ashes as a sign of, of death. Remember the, the old burial services, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Now we are sinners, and we all do die. Romans chapter 3 reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there is no one righteous, not even one. And Job says that, that whether you are rich or poor, whether you've been a good person or a bad person, we have one common fate. Side by side they lie in the dust and worms cover them. That's kind of a gross thought, but, but true. We all die. We're all humans, and humans sin, 
and humans die. That's the Ask Wednesday message. But some people want to make that the sole purpose of Lent. To, to have 40 days of Ash Wednesday, 40 days of feeling shame and misery, feeling hopeless. I mean, what's the point? We're all just going to die. We can't really change. Lent, as they would see it, is just a cold, hard slap in the face that helps us to realize how awful life really is. These are the kind of people who really want to suffer during Lent. I mean, they don't just give up meat on Fridays. They give up chocolate every day of Lent. I mean, these, these are people that go above and beyond. And they want to feel bad. They want to have a perfectly awful Lent. Now, on the other side are those who see Lent as a 40-day self-help program, a self-improvement program. 40 days to a new you. Just read this book, take this class, join this group, add this new prayer routine, and in 40 days, you can have the perfect life God intends for you. What are you waiting for? Get started. The days are wasting. And for these folks, they want to have a perfect Lent. They give up chocolate, but not to suffer. They give it up so that they'll drop five pounds and and to have that beach body ready for them come Easter. These are, these are people that, that are sure that we can have the perfect life. They, they don't want to have an awful Lent. They want to have a perfect Lent. And they're sure that, that in spite of our human frailties and our our imperfections and our sinfulness they're sure that with the right Lenten discipline the right determination the right effort they can have the perfect Christian life come Easter and be ready to celebrate these are the people who have fallen into what Kate Bowler says in her good enough book she calls the perfectibility paradigm with just enough hard work in Jesus you can have the perfect faith life and in Lent's case, in 40 days or less. Now, there, there's some truth to this approach, too. I mean, Jesus does tell us in Matthew 5, 48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And in the first chapter of James, we hear this, my friends, consider yourselves fortunate when all kinds of trials come your way. For you know that when your faith succeeds in facing such trials, the result is the ability to endure. Make sure that your endurance carries you all the way without failing, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then, of course, there is the, the scripture that every Christian perfectionist turns to for inspiration. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can do it. Yes, you can. That's their motto. And for these Christian perfectionists, Lent is, becomes an endless loop of Shia LaBeouf's motivational video telling you, just do it. Nothing is impossible. Just listen a little bit to this uh, video clip. 
There you go. Just do it. Nothing's impossible. Just do it. One of the commentators on, on YouTube wrote that, that this has been my alarm clock for the last five years. It got me through college and work despite how hard it can be. Now, I can't imagine listening to this for 40 days, let alone five years, but because the truth is, some things are impossible. Maybe not for God, but for me. I'm never going to be able to dunk a basketball, no matter how many Duke games I watch. And I'm never going to solve all the world's problems. For that matter, I'm never going to solve all my own problems. I'm never going to be the perfect parent. I'm never going to be the perfect pastor. I'm never going to, going to be the perfect friend. I can get better at some things. And I haven't stopped trying, but I've quit expecting the perfect Lent to give me the perfect faith life that I've always wanted. See, the problem with trying to have a perfect Lent or a perfectly awful Lent is that while there is some truth in each of these approaches, each, either one of them alone will be disappointing. A Lent that's a perpetual Ash Wednesday of bemoaning our sins and our mortality will never open your heart up to receive the joy of Easter. It's hard to celebrate on Easter when you've been focusing on ashes for 40 days. And on the other hand, a Lent of striving for perfection that we cannot reach leaves us exhausted and disappointed with ourselves and probably disappointed with God when everything isn't rainbows and unicorns come Easter. That kind of Lent can even lead us further away from God than, than if we had no Lent at all. Do you know the, the golden calf story from Exodus? Moses has led the people out of slavery in Egypt. God has parted the waters of the sea. They've walked across over into the wilderness. There's no more cruel taskmasters, no more daily quota of bricks, no more oppression. They are free to worship God and to make their way straight to the promised land. It's all wine and roses from now on. At least that's what they think. But first, to stop along the way at Mount Sinai for God to give Moses his instructions. You know, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the stone tablets and all. But here's the problem. Moses spends 40 days and 40 nights up on the mountaintop with God. And down below, the people get restless. God has promised them the land of milk and honey, a perfect country of their own. So why is God holding them up? They are ready to get moving. Why doesn't God get them there now? And when God doesn't do what they think he should be doing during those 40 days, the Israelites take matters into their own hands and they make a God of their own. Remember, it's, it's in Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed to him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. 
Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. The problem with thinking that 40 days of Lent is going to take us to the promised land of perfect faith, perfect happiness, perfect life, if we just try hard enough, is that when it doesn't happen, then we're tempted to give up on the real God and to make gods on our, of our own, golden idols, so to speak, that we can control and manipulate, or at least pretend to. The real God isn't enough for us, and so we want perfection now, and we turn to something other than God to try to get it. And that varies from, from person to person. But how many people have gotten impatient with God and wanted to have their perfect life now? And if, and if only they had enough money, that's it, money, and they make money their idol. If we have enough money, then I'll have a perfect life. Or if I just have enough good looks, if I can just get enough surgery or whatever to, to make me look like a model, then I'm going to have a perfect life. And we make that our idol. Or, or, maybe, or maybe if we just have enough comfort, if we're just comfortable enough, then we're going to have a perfect life. We make that our idol. Right now on the world stage, we see somebody who has made an idol of power. Putin in, in Russia has total control over one of the largest countries in the world. But it's never enough. Power over Russia is not enough. He has to have Ukraine and his eyes are in other places. That's what happens when we substitute something else for the real God. That something else is never enough. Because no idol can replace God. We don't need them, though, because the real God is enough, and the real God is good. So maybe instead of trying to have the, the perfect Lent or perfectly awful Lent, maybe we should just seek to have a good enough Lent. A good enough Lent recognizes our imperfections and our frailties, our sins and our, and our mortality, and yet it also calls us to draw, draw closer to God not with perfection in 40 days, but just some small steps closer to the Lord. They'll be good enough so that come Easter, it will be a miracle for us again. Because that's really what Lent is for. It's to move us a little closer to Jesus so Easter becomes sweeter than it would have been if we'd never spent that time with God. That's what the 40 days are for. It's not to make us perfect or make us perfectly awful, but it's to move us a few steps closer to Jesus so that Easter becomes all the sweeter as we celebrate the resurrection. You know, when we started this message, I asked you, what do you think of when you think of Lent? And I know there's a couple of you in here that, uh, that think like me, um, but I always think of maple syrup. And the reason being is it always comes at the same time of year. So Lent is the time for making maple syrup. And watching gallons of sap turn into steam and leaving that, that sweet, rich syrup behind, you know, for me that, that's better than milk and honey. But it's a lot of work. 
especially if you, if you do it the way that I've done it uh, for so many years, which is uh, putting together cinder blocks and trying to balance pans on top of it and uh, have a, a campfire, so to speak, and try to boil it down that way. But two years ago, for my birthday, my brother ordered me a real maple syrup evaporator. And oh, it was great news. Except that was during the beginning of COVID. And, well, it, it just arrived recently. Uh, so, so finally, this week, I was able to put it together. Or rather, I should say, we were able to put it together because uh, Kim Tharp and I did it in the shop. And I don't know why, but this thing came unpainted. And so the first step was to paint all the parts. And I'm thinking, they don't sell cars that way. They don't, they don't sell you a car and say, and here's a case of spray paint. Go at it. But that's the way this came. And they sent the, the cans of paint. And I don't know if the first can I grabbed was a defective can or if it was a defective operator. But when, when I started painting it, instead of being this nice fine mist, it came out glop, 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 splat all over the thing. So I assumed it was the can. I put it down, and I got another can. And I continued, but then I put my hand in the wet paint. So then I got a smear. So I tried to take care of that. And then I found spots that I didn't get enough. And, and uh, well, anyways... Uh, I got frustrated because I wanted this to look perfect. This was my dream. You know, some people dream of cars and other things. This, is, this has been my dream for two years. I've been waiting for this. And it was not turning out the way I wanted. So for a second there, I thought, you know what? We're going to do this all over again. We're going to sand this down, and we're going to make it look perfect. But then... It occurred to me, you know, as soon as they start using this, this is going to be covered with sticky sap and soot and ashes, and it's still going to accomplish its purpose. It's still going to make sweet maple syrup to share. It'll be good enough. Well, the same way a good enough Lent will accomplish its purpose too. A sweet celebration of Easter. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to give up on yourself either. Do what you can to draw a little bit closer to God this Lent. And it will be good. Because God is good. And it will be enough. Because God is enough. So let's walk these 40 days together and have a good enough Lent. Let's pray. Lord, why do we always think we know better? Why do we think that on our own we can be perfect? And then if life doesn't turn out, well, we'll just make our own God. We'll choose something other than you because we know what's best for us. And Lord, why do we fail to hear your 
promise of forgiveness, wallow in our sinfulness, feel that, that we're no good and we're hopeless. When you have given your life for us while we were yet sinners. God, help us to have a good enough Lent. Help us to have a Lent where we draw a little closer to you. A Lent where we're aware of all of our imperfections, but we stand in awe at how perfect you are. So by the time we reach the end of these 40 days and we celebrate your resurrection, it'll be fresh and new and joy-filled because we are closer with you, our Lord and Savior. So God, give us a good enough light.